Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 69 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, host of this show, and you can follow us on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow my personal Twitter at JustinHughes365, and you can follow Andrew McQuiston, my co-host, at AMCQ82. You can join our Facebook group. We're closing in on 2,000 members talking about baseball every day, even as there's been no baseball, as we're here in the middle of May. Everybody's still on there talking about something, and you can join it and get in on the conversations. And if you'd like to support the show, you can always hop on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating, and that is a good way that you can just help support us and get our name out there. On tonight's episode, Andrew and I are going to talk about some of the news since we recorded last, which is pretty much injuries, and we'll list off players whose values have changed for this year, assuming we get a partial season in. So let's get Andrew on. Andrew, it's been a little while, and a lot's happened over the last, since we've um, last talked on the podcast airwaves. Before we went on a break, I was as I asked you a question every show, and my question for you this week is: What took you so long to finally record a show with me again? <laughs> uh, just doing our part with social distancing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had to stay away from each other on podcast airwaves. <laughs> yeah, good to hear your uh, good to hear your voice again. Yeah, man, it's good to do this, and I. We'll be honest with y'all. This has been me for why we've been on this long of a break. Um, I'll just rewind from where we last le- where we last left off back in mid March. Andrew and I were finishing up recording our final set of rankings covering pitchers, and we recorded the last two episodes right before I took off for Nashville for a trip. We were two weeks away from opening day at that point. Our first full off-season of podcasts were almost complete. And then while I was gone on that trip, Major League Baseball and shortly after the rest of the war, rest of the country was shut down as positive cases of the coronavirus were starting to spread around the country. And at that time, I was about three weeks away from closing on the sale of our house and purchase of our new home. I think I had mentioned that on here and had a lot to pack and... Like so many baseball fans, I was pretty bummed out about us not getting some baseball for a while. So I kind of just shut this part of my brain off. I had a lot to take care of with the move, and on top of all that, it's been hard to even think about fantasy baseball when I wasn't sure when or even if we were going to have a season here in 2020. So I just shut that part down. And Andrew was pretty patient with me and just let me come back and eventually... You know, whenever I was ready, we'd get going. Sound about does that sum it up pretty well, Andrew? Yeah, it sums it up pretty good. I mean, it's been uh, it's definitely been tough. Yeah, but every every day is a day closer to baseball again. So that is true. We don't know when. We don't know if even this year. But and we'll get to that in a second. But how have you handled this shutdown, and what have you done to fill time? Uh, lots of different stuff. I mean, a lot of Netflix, a lot of podcasts. I've played a little bit of out of the park baseball. Uh, we oh. did, uh, yeah, the baseball, you know, simulation game on for uh, 
MacBook or PC. You know, you can get it for computer. Um, we did the prospect draft. Did with a few guys at Prospects fifteen hundred, and uh, me and uh, Lucas Beery were in on, on that. So that was fun. We drafted eight hundred prospects. Wound up being like seven hundred with uh, with some of the auto picks that weren't prospects. Kind of late <laughs> in the draft, but. Wait a minute. Was and does that I'm, mean honestly, like Mike Trout went in like the seven hundreds? No, no. There was a lot of the those players were all removed, but there was a certain point when you got down the the uh, the draft board. It was real late guys, like just total garbage guys that you would never draft in a conventional league. All the normal top end guys were not even in the pool. Okay. So yeah, I don't know exactly how he removed them, but so you still off. Just, Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, following the MLB draft a little bit, the upcoming draft. I've been kind of look, looking into that, and always got my Survivor and the Last Dance documentary. That's helped. So oh, all yeah. that stuff. But yeah, it's been tough. I mean, baseball is a a lot of it usually at this time. So filling the gaps is difficult. I want to ask you about the Last Dance, but that was something I was going to bring up at the close. So I'll wait till the end of the show to ask you about that one. As a kid who grew up a Bulls fan, like most people our age, you either yeah. loved them or hated them. But you said Netflix, so I got to ask, what did you watch that, whatever that Tiger show is then? What it, whatever yeah. it was? Yeah, Tiger King. Yeah. Was that thing a train wreck? Because that's what, I don't even know much about it. I just know everybody's talking about it and the, the lady apparently yeah. was crazy. Yeah, it was. it was pretty wild. It was like one of those things that, it's hard to believe it's even real. Mm-hmm. It's just so out there. But I didn't really. I don't know. It was just okay to me. I, I wanted to see it just because I want. I didn't want to be. I want to know. It's like one of those you want to know what you're missing out on if you're mm-hmm. not if you not see it. But yeah, it was just whatever. <laughs> it was so so out there. But the train wreck. People can't stop watching. Is what I kind yeah. of thought. I was whenever I'd hear people talk about it. Yeah. And out of the park. Did you enjoy it? I've heard people talk about it. Paul Spores mentioned that a few times over the years. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, I've slowed down playing it a little bit recently, but, yeah, it's fun. It's just a different type of game than, like, MLB The Show, which I know is your game. Yes. I have been a big MLB The Show player since it came out. Um, Van Lee, who works for Fantrax, who does a lot of the podcasting with on Fantrax, He's a local friend of mine, and him and I, for years, have played these video games. I think going back to like 2004-ish, before MLB The Show was even a thing, we would get together once a week and play baseball video games. And then MLB The Show came out, and they had this rivalry mode, and that was always fun. We'd get together and play that, and it'd keep track of our stats. We'd play like a best out of 80... It was the first one to 41 wins, so best out of 81 and oh, wow. we'd be a team and I'd be a team and we'd just play about four or five games in a night once a week and it would keep stats for all the players and they'd all fatigued where you'd have to sit them and move around in the rotation and we had a blast with that over the years and I really hadn't played it much the last few years with my daughter being born but with nothing else going on I joined a league with Brent Herzog who we had on last summer from the uh, oh my gosh! Why do I uh, exit velocity Ex- podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I remembered. 
Um, but anyway, Brent, that, that's been a lot of fun and I've made a lot of friends with a lot of different guys that do podcasts. Brent's in it. A lot of the guys from the bases loaded podcast. Have you listened to that one before? Yeah. A few times. Yeah. Yeah. Some, a lot of those guys from that podcast are in the league it's been fun. We get in a party chat and tap talk and, um, you know, I won't go too much into the ba- the video game part of it, but the game definitely, I've had a lot of fun with it this year. It, and yeah, it's filled filled a lot of my time once we got moved. And I, after my daughter goes to bed, I tend to stay up late playing that thing. Yeah, okay. everybody's just trying. Everybody's just trying to fill time right now. So it just seems that way, anyways. But yep, that it's is di- the truth. it's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. Here we are now. It's May, and there are a lot of states that are starting to slowly open things back up. And now there's reports that there could be baseball by July, giving us a possible 80 to 100 game season. Now, nothing's been announced, nothing's set in stone. But, Andrew, how optimistic are you right now at this point that we're going to see games this year? Man, I've thought about it a lot. I, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to, there was a stretch there where I wasn't, uh, I, I feel better about it than I did. What I'm mostly concerned about. I mean, all of us, we all want baseball, like just off the top, everybody wants baseball back. That's clear. Uh, what I'm worried about is them starting back up and, having something happen where a team has to be quarantined or Mm -hmm. whatever when they get like eight games in and then that that just it screws everything up i mean what do you what what can you even do because the team has to be quarantined the team they're playing then who do they play and then it's just a total disaster Mm -hmm. and honestly and i i hate to say this but i've thought a lot about it i i would rather there be it not even start up then have that happen okay. now obviously obviously i hope that doesn't happen i hope that it's just starts back up even if it's no fans or even if it's you know all in arizona or however you know they've got these different plans obviously i want it to work but that is definitely in the back of my head and i just don't think that there's any way that you can know no. that that w- that that won't happen if it's no matter or what you do. I mean, they're going to take the precautions, of course, and hopefully it works out. I mean, I do think that there's a pretty good chance it'll be 80 to 100 game season, as long as something like that doesn't occur. And the good news is, you know, I'm but far from a doctor, but I do hear a lot of people saying that the heat is helping kill the virus and these guys playing in warm temperatures down. I'm assuming they'll play in Florida. Maybe they'll end up playing. I don't actually remember. Yeah. Where they're ta- if they're talking about putting everybody down in Florida or if they're actually going to put everybody in their home parks and just play. I've heard stadiums. both. I've, yeah. Yeah, I've heard both. Yeah, it's, I don't think it's for certain yet, any of it. Maybe two months from now, things will be looking better. And hopefully that's the case because we'd love to have some baseball. Now, I want the safety of the players and I want all that too. So if if something like what you're saying could happen – does happen yeah you got to shut it down i don't it won't bother me if there's i mean i'll be bummed if there's not a season but if they're saying it's not safe and they're just not going to take the chance i totally understand i'm sure you do too 
Kind yeah, of- that'll be tough. But yeah, I, I, the best plan that I've heard, and I think that this was just someone speculating. I don't think it was anything official, but I just thought it was the best one. Is opening day around the first of July, the fourth of July, having the regular season July, August, September, October, and having the playoffs in November. And you could get, yeah, right. You could get. I feel like if you have four months of regular season, throw some double headers in there, you can get a hundred games in, or at least very close to it, in those four months. I mean, that's twenty-five games a month, basically, which is pretty normal normal anyways Mm -hmm. so i think that i thought when i heard that i'm like this plan sounds great but Mm -hmm. it obviously has to be put into motion and still work you know there's a lot of things other than just people wanting it to happen so but i definitely liked that i i don't think that you can have too much less than an 80 game season 81 game season and crown a credible world champion i i don't know like as much as i want baseball if it's like what how do you do a 40 game season or a 60 game season i don't think you can really you know so i mean there's there's even questions if it would be credible enough over 81 i think that would be okay but less than that i i just think it's tough i think it's if it's less than that it's gonna be nothing Really, I mean, if if I had to guess, but uh, again, it's all, all speculation. And if they they've talked about if they do I mean, with the shortened season, they may even have more playoff teams. It's just going to be hard because a, I mean, it's a good thing for a lot of the teams that maybe weren't thinking they had a chance. All you have to do is make the playoffs, and if you have like fourteen, sixteen teams in the playoffs, you got a better shot at it. But yeah, it's just going to feel weird. No matter who wins, that it's kind of going to be one of those odd seasons where things were just different this year. Whoever yeah. wins, definitely. I, I'm with you. I think I'm more optimistic than I was. I kind I agree with most everything you said there in terms of the fears and but also the optimism. I kind of so, just really more than anything. I just want to know what the official plan is mm-hmm. because. You hear, I mean, I just feel like I hear every day or every other day from someone different, oh, this is going to happen or that's going to happen or they're talking about this or they're thinking about that. And it's like, I just want to know when they're starting, what the plan is, how many games, where they're playing, all that. And I feel like once that happens, it's going to just kind of catapult everybody to getting back into it, really into it. I mean, more than we are right now, kind of almost back to normal. I mean, once mm-hmm. we know, but until you know, it's just kind of tough because everything's up in the air. Yeah. It's hard to prepare for a fantasy baseball season whenever you don't even know yeah, when, or when, because everything changes right now. I mean, things are so much different. Let's say we get that 80 to 100 game season that they're talking about right now. Things are so much different for drafting than they were in March when we were oh, talking yeah. last. We're going to talk about a lot of these guys that are affected here on this show. But before we do that, I'm not, you got anything else to add or should I? No, no, that's, I mean, that's kind of my thoughts on all of it right now, but. Okay. Then I guess what we'll do is we'll jump right into some of this news that has happened since we were here last. And most of it involves pitchers with injuries. 
um, because there's not much else going on. But Andrew, we've had a few pitchers who have chosen to undergo Tommy John surgery over the course of the last couple months. Chris Sale is the headliner. Sale had three different doctors check him out in March. And at the end of those, he said he was not going to have Tommy John surgery for now. And sure enough, once the season was delayed, he had Tommy John surgery shortly afterwards. Then more surgeries were announced. Noah Syndergaard, which felt like that one was out of nowhere. And Tyler Beatty was the third. He was having some arm issues in spring training also, and he opted to have surgery. So my question for you is, or I guess my first question is anything that you want to add on these on these injury announcements? No, not really. My first thought kind of when that was going down, I feel like off memory it was shortly after they suspended the season. Uh, I was really just like, well, this is probably the best time to do it. I mean, especially because at that time, I think it was a little less optimism that there was going to be a season than there is now and if there wasn't obviously it's the perfect time to do it so i think it's a good time either way i mean just with everything going on but i mean and obviously yeah if you're hurt i mean it's good to get it done anyways so yeah i agree uh my next question who would you rather have in a dynasty league right now sailor Cindergard. let me add that sales 31 and Cindergard's 27 right now both are having tommy john Sales, though, had the better career. I'd rather have Sale. Close? Mostly pretty close, yeah. I mean, I kind of look at it like if they're both out with the same surgery, then it's kind of back to square one, and it's just like which one would I have rather had before the they were having surgery, and it was Chris Sale. So it's still Chris Sale to me, but I mean, obviously one of them could come back better from the injury than the other. It's just hard to know that right now. So for right now, I definitely would take Sale, but it's not by a crazy amount or anything. Yeah, I think it's Sale too. I think it's a pretty decent gap still because Sale's done it and pitched like an ace and Syndergaard hasn't really done it, even though Sale was a disaster last year, but there was a lot of bad luck in there, and Syndergaard wasn't even that great, wasn't that good last year. But yeah, I would yeah. still take Sale despite the years. It's like we've said before, you don't worry as much about age with pitchers as you would hitters that we were talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll talk about some value changes from a shortened season when we get back. <laughs> kind of laid this out whenever I talked to you before we'll just talk about players whose values have changed and we're not going to list off like how many we got or we're not going to talk about like if I bring up a player and you've got them on your list we'll talk them about them at that point as compared to trying to go back and forth and repeat this stuff uh I will have NFBC ADP up and ready as we do this and we'll talk about these players Assuming that there's an eight, we're assuming there's a half game season that is rumored right now, and I'll move it up and down the ADPs from where they were going to see how big of a change of value we think these players should have now. 
So I'll let you go first. Who's your first player you've got impacted? Well, so, yeah, just kind of like you said, I mean, I'm pretty much right now assuming 80 to 100 games. I don't think it's going to be too much more than that. I don't think it can be too much less than that. That's my guess, 80 to 100. It may not be exact, but the the first players that jump out to me on this, because, and I have some that are going to be affected by ballpark and use of DH or, you know, universal DH, stuff like that. But the first ones that jump out to me are the pitchers that you felt had innings limits. Yeah. The three, the three that I listed, and there's others, Jesus Lazardo, Julio Urias, Tyler Glasnow. I feel yeah. like in a, in a hundred, in 162 game season, those guys on some level, for different reasons, were going to be managed to the point they just weren't going to pitch a full season. And I feel like now, especially when you consider all three of those guys are on teams that could honestly win the World Series, they're a lot more likely to pitch the whole season. Mm-hmm. And that's a total game changer. I mean, that's if you're pitching 100% of the season instead of, 70 or 75 i mean that's just a big deal i will say that i i did um was doing the podcast the other day with lou and lucas and uh, lucas did mention that lazardo's price is flying up because of it so i don't think that these guys are like a secret it's not groundbreaking mm-hmm. stuff you know everybody kind of realizes that but i just think they have to be mentioned because i think it's pretty clear so I that was my those- that was my first one I had inning limits pitchers, and I had those three in there. I had two others mixed in with them, a couple of rookies I might circle back to, but I'll just do the two other major leaguers because you just mentioned Glasnow, Lazardo, Urias, right? No, you said yeah. Panic. So Glass. No, I said no, Gla- you- I, okay. I said Glasnow, Lazardo, Urias. I had Paddock and Kopech on there too because I didn't really think either of those guys. I thought those guys would be. 150 to 160 innings actually we have a famous bet on glass now <laughs> or i'm sorry not glass now i did that before too Kopech. but um like a guy like lazardo uh, we were hating a lot of these guys on this list that we just mentioned we were not big on their value this year for where they were going in adp because of those shortened seasons lazardo and um paddock i think were to the top two that you and i both were like this price is high given what we're, we the best you can expect for for the innings. And yeah. Lazardo's ADP right now, this is all off season, so this is not indicative of the indicative of the last month or two, but it was it's at 114 right now. So you're talking 7th to 8th round. I don't think it was that far from there a couple months ago. I don't For the know. last for the last month, I've got the last month pulled up. Mm-hmm. Lazardo's at 90. Okay. So, so let's, he's moved up some. Let's look at this, and let me just – let's assume the season starts July 1st. I'm just going to throw a couple names at you here that are going right around that spot oh, during the offseason. Sonny Gray. Or Lazardo. Mm-hmm. Lazardo. Okay. Mike Soroka. 
This that film's, like that one's close. Yeah, that one's close. I'm not really a Sunny Gray guy, so I mean, I. Yeah, I just I, typically not drafting him, but I, I definitely think... like Lazardo more. I mean, more than I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm not saying for sure I would take him here, but before I was a hundred percent not taking him, and yeah. I can I just see the intrigue a lot more with the yeah. shortened season. Yeah, if you can get a full season out of that guy uh, on a short burst where, you know, he's a, I think he's a, what's he, a fastball change guy whose curveball is still developing. I think that's the book on him. Is that right? Or is it the other yeah, way around? He's I a believe, fastball curveball uh, with the change to develop. I might be confusing him. I can't remember. But either way, I, people have said, you know, Paddock coming up last year, was a two-pitch pitcher that had really two really good pitches. And people suspected that he'd be somebody that came up and had a real strong burst to start the year. And he did do that. And I could see Lazardo being similar to where people haven't seen him much and he just burst through the league. And by the time teams are seeing him a second and third time, we're near the end of the season. Yeah. Between that and innings limit, yeah, I think he could be a monster this year. Uh, Paddock... You didn't have him on that list. Did you not think of it, or you just really I just, didn't care to put I just him on did, there? I just didn't think of it. But, yeah, he he qualifies. I mean, he was going high kind of before anyways. So yes. I, I, maybe that's why I didn't think of it. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah he definitely his, qualifies. Where I previously had him valued, he's going up. But I don't think his overall ADP I wouldn't be rising because I thought it was too high to begin with. Now I probably think it's closer to being right is what I'd say about Paddock. Okay. Uh, That was your first one. I guess I'll list off my first one now. And that's Nick Madrigal. He's going this offseason at 276 overall. And before the shutdown, people were thinking he'd be up in May or June, with the argument being with the agreement between the MLB players and the owners. Now they're saying all players called up in 2020 will receive a full year of service time, no matter when they're called up. And it, that's correct, right, Andrew? I did. I that believe. Correct? I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay. So there are a lot of players expected to debut in 2020, and Madrigal is one of them. So my thought process here is, if he has a solid spring training, I think there's a chance he debuts right away. Now. The White Sox are hoping to take a big step forward this year. Lurie Garcia is their starting second baseman. It feels like that job is there in the taking for him. Yeah, yeah, I could see it. I, I don't have him written down. I do have for one of the one of the ones that I had kind of takes a hit is just, and this is kind of a general thing, but just prospects that aren't up on opening day because I think yep. that in an, like an 80 in an 80 to 100 game season i think a lot of these guys are going to be up immediately like right away mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that there's going to be this whole sit for a month month or you know in triple a or double you know double a whatever and then come up i don't think there's going to be any of that so and they've also mentioned expanded roster dh across the league i just think a lot of these guys are going to be up faster in terms of you know, when opening day is, I guess. So, yeah, if he's one of those guys, I mean, it's definitely going to help him. I'll tie in with that one because I did have some guys 
on there like Jared Kelnick, Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez, maybe Alex Kirilov. I brought him up at least for these were some kids in the farm who many thought might debut this year. And with a shortened season, that'll mean fewer chances for the kids to develop for and for injuries to mount for the players to get these guys up. And teams might be, owners might be thinking, well, if I bring them up, these these guys up, I'm losing a full year of service time when I, when I really may only be getting them for 20, 30 games. And I think Kirilov still could debut, but I'm not counting on it. Yeah, yeah that's I'm with of, you. It, let me just list those four off. I had a question for you on them. I'm list them off before I ask my question. Jared Kelnick, Wanda Franco, Julio Rodriguez, Alex Kirilov. If I put the over under at one half of these players making their MLB debut, what would you take? The over or under? For this year, like basically is one of the four gonna gonna play yes. in the majors? I'd say over. You would take the over? Yeah, but it gives you, I mean, it's four shots at it. You know, it's, I I think that Kellenic and Kirilov are the most likely. Yes. Even though they're arguably three and four on that list of talent, talent wise. But yeah, I think they're the most likely to play this year. Have you heard much about the minor leagues and what they're even saying recently? Because I've last I was hearing there may not be a minor league season, but are they going to be trying to put these guys in like Florida for some sort of other league? I don't know if it's been conf- I don't I'm not positive if it's been confirmed, but I'm I know there's t- a lot of talk of no minor league season. It might have even been confirmed. I just wasn't yeah. sure if what I heard was um, official yet or not. Being down here in Double A Springfield, there's a Double A team in the basically 15 minutes from me, and this was supposed to be the year that I saw Julio Rodriguez and maybe even Nolan Gorman by the end of the year. And I think I don't think I'm going to miss out on a chance for Gorman. I think he'll be here next year, and Julio might be too. I could see him starting the year in Double A, but yeah, man, it's, I really was hoping to see those guys this year. I hope I don't miss my window on either of them. Okay. Yeah, it's Who do you got next? Dis- disappointing for sure. Um, so I guess these kind of go together, but if they do the uh, the Arizona plan where they aren't playing in the parks, which, again, I don't know. I mean, some of this is really speculative, but Coors pitchers, Herman Marquez oh. and John Gray, I think I – think, I honestly think – her. Herman Marquez and possibly even Gray could just be. I mean, it, if you're taking cores out of it, they could be ridiculous. You know, depends. I haven't it, even thought you know, about this. Yeah. So, I mean, again, we don't know if that's the plan for sure, but it's been talked about. I, I think I heard somebody predict Herman Marquez win the Cy Young. So, you know, just it's funny to think about, but I mean, it's a lot more possible if they're not pitching in cores. So, and then I think it hurts Arenado and the gang story, all them. I mean, if they're not playing in cores, obviously. So I think those are pretty clear ones, but obviously that's contingent on, you know, if they're playing in their actual parks with no fans or whatever, then, you know, you expect those guys to just be their normal self. But I had those down as potential guys on each end of that spectrum. I have John Gray on just about every fantasy team I have this year. 
and I hadn't once thought about this, and now I have something to cheer for. Yeah, because it's interesting. That would be huge for him and Mar- Marquez too. Like you said, I could totally see yeah. him winning the Cy Young if he's not pitching there. Yeah, Man. it'll it'll depend on how some of those parks play, but you're kind of leveling the playing field if if they're not pitching it at course. So it's in- maybe interesting for Wade, sure. I think Wade Davis is on the last year of his contract. He may and he may just be cooked. We don't know, but that. You know, that could be good for his career. He might be able to escape by as a closer this year. I don't know. He may be dead. Uh, that's not the right term, but he may be cooked. But, huh. Good call. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that one. Okay. Um, my next one, I'm going to mention two together here. It's Dylan Carlson and Joe Adele. Uh, both of the kids that we thought could be up early this year. Carlson possibly up opening day. Adele, there were still, it wasn't completely out of the question. But I think both these guys have a good shot at being up opening day, especially Adele. Like, I thought Carlson had a better shot at it than Adele. But if they expand rosters and there's no minor leagues, I they're going to bring Adele up, I think. And these, I think Carlson has a chance to be a star already uh we you know we've talked about him a lot in our podcast but if he's up opening day he could be way up there did you have carlson on and adele on your list here i had carlson yeah i okay definitely feel like carlson should be up immediately i don't see any any reason why he wouldn't he's he was going to be up quickly anyways and especially if it's universal DH, I mean, that's another bat in the lineup. There's Are they talking no... about that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It sounds yeah. like it's, it sounds like it's going to happen, universal DH this year. And ju- are, they're just saying that they're again, likely just doing it this year? Well, again, nothing's official. I'm not, yes. I'm not trying to say anything. But, yeah, there's def- there has been clear discussion that they may go to that this year. I, beyond this year. I'm not sure, but I think if they get it I, this I year, that, that it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, they may just keep it. Yeah, because they were talking about 2021, anyways. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, I just, I just don't see any reason at all that Carlson's not up right away. I mean, I pretty much feel the same as I did before with him. Adele, I think Adele's going to be up right away too. I just have more questions about him hitting the ground running. Yes. But as far as playing, yeah, I, I think that he'll be up. So. Good calls so, there. So let's talk about Carlson. We were both talking him up all off season, and the question was, when will he be here? I just I want to play a him or him game with that guy. Let's just assume that they announced they're starting the season July first. I think it's, I think it'd be safe to say it's more likely than not he's up opening day, especially with the Universal DH. Correct? Would you say the same? Yeah. And expand yeah. and expanded rosters that they're talking yes. about too. Yeah, it's just too many things. Mm-hmm. So let's play a him or him game, and I'm just going to throw some names, and we're going to see what range we're going to get to here. Uh, I'm going to start off. I'm going too far down. Looking at this, Adam Eaton, Carlson. Yeah, I figured that might have that one was probably close beforehand. Uh, moving up, Kyle Tucker, Carlson. Agreed. David Dahl? 
Carlson. Agreed. But if yeah, well, take Dahl out of course too, but uh huh. Kyle yeah. Schwarber. That one's tough, man. Okay, the more so I've looked the more the I've the more I've looked into Schwarber this offseason, I like him more and more. I wish I had him on more teams. I think I have him on one, but and yeah, that, universal one, that one's tough. DH for the Cubs. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, that helps just because he doesn't have to run around in the field. Uh-huh. I mean, he's gonna, he was going to play either way, but he actually is on my list too, so I'll scratch him off. But yeah, I think it helped. <laughs> I think it just helps not so much with his numbers because he was going to play either way, but Agreed. just not having to play the field. I mean, if they do go to the DH, he's going to – probably dh most games and it just decreases the likelihood of injury so i definitely like it for schwarber and all of his uh stat cast data and stuff looks great i mean he could have a career okay. year i mean truncated you know to the shortened season i guess it, it's hard for anybody to have a career year in 80 games but you get what i'm saying <laughs> yes i'm gonna throw a couple of those in this range i think you're basically landing right around here but michael brantley Man, I love Brantley. Yeah. If I knew if I knew Carlson was starting opening day, I'd take Carlson for the season over Brantley. But and that's Ma- contingent. It's contingent on that. And Max Kepler. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah, so he's pretty, definitely pretty all even. these guys you're basically saying is right in that range, which ADP wise we're talking one thirty to one fifty. So yeah, again, again, that's ninth, tenth rounder. That's making that's assuming he's gonna play opening day. You know, like once I heard that, I would take him in the range of those guys. Yeah, yeah. If you're drafting in mid June, they're doing spring training games. Cardinals are saying, yeah, he's gonna be up. We're we're not gonna mess around with this. Yeah, you're not doing it if you're drafting right now. Yeah, you're probably not taking that shot. Speaking of which, are you going to do a draft between now and when the season starts? You think you'll do another one because of this? You know what? I don't know. I actually had two drafts left. I meant to mention this earlier when we were kind of talking about it, but I had two drafts left. I had my NFBC main event draft, which was like my biggest one. And then I had a Roto-Wire online championship. Both of them are on NFBC. and I, uh, I got both of them refunded. For now, just because I kind of wanted to see what was going to happen, I don't think I think I'm going to wait till next year to do the main event. Just because I don't really want my first NFBC main event to, to be a half season. I just don't really yeah. want it. Um, I love to play it. I mean, I really was pumped to play it this year, but I think I'm going to hold off till next year. The other one, I'm not sure. Ask me once they announce everything. I'm, I'm, I, I'd consider it, but. Um, not sure not sure yet i'm definitely put it this way i'm definitely not drafting until i know the plan and that's why i want i wanted like all all of my money back just off the table like we've done what we've done we can't go back and change that but i don't want to draft now just not knowing anything you know it's just Mm -hmm. the time and effort that goes into it i mean i want to know what i'm drafting for yep so yeah, there's a lot of luck involved for people who drafted in January, February. They, they've either fallen into some good or bad luck, depending on what they drafted. 
and yeah. how much it's changed. It just Definitely. is what it is, though. Everybody yeah. was on an even playing field. Yep. Okay. Who's your next one? So I've got uh, for guys that it hurts, and there's not a ton of these, but kind of the spec closers. And a couple that I listed were Nick Anderson and Giovanni Gallegos, mm-hmm. who I think, I mean, I think both of those guys are really talented. I, If you would have told me in a 162-game season that they were going to close the whole year, I, I would have thought, you know, these guys have a chance to be top five closers. I think they're both really good. But if they don't have the job going into the season, there's just – you can't wait. Like, how long are you going to just sit there and on a guy and hope he gets the job? I mean, I think that all of the closers, just to talk about closers, I think all of the ones that have the job going into the season are just way, way more valuable than the ones that don't. And I know that that's always the case, but I think it's even more so the case in 80 to 100 game season because mm-hmm. – there's less time for them because it takes a, you know, a certain amount of time for them to lose the job, pitch out of it. I mean, you could have a bad closer, a bad pitcher, whatever, not pitch well for a certain amount of time. You know, It takes that time for them to blow it. Or like you said with Wade Davis, which I don't know if I agree with him just because I think he's terrible. But, yeah. <laughs> but like if he just randomly pitched good for a month, I mean – that's a quarter of the season instead of a sixth of the season. You know, it's just a lot different. So I think anybody that has the job going in, it just way increases their value. And I don't, I don't think you can just sit on these middle relievers in an 80 to 100 game season. It's tough. So I, yes. I think those guys get danged. Yeah, I agree. I had Gallegos on my list. Um, I do think he probably still will start the year with the job. But Yeah, that's, that's totally fair, yeah. The thing is, Jordan Hicks had Tommy John surgery like in June or July last year, and he was hoping to be back in the second half of this year. And right. I don't know if he'll be ready in July or not, and I do think it's more likely than not, like I said, that Gallego starts the year saving games, but if Hicks returns quickly and or Gallego struggles much at all, that he might not hold that role. I think he's. I think he had a little bit of a better shot at getting a leash early in the season whenever they didn't have as much competition. I mean, they have Andrew Miller, but his his elbow, and he was having problems with numbness in his hand. And I thought it was by the end of the pre um, – by when we left off, I was, th- I was a lot more confident than I was in January that he was going to have that role. I took him in my last draft. and But now with Hicks close to back, yeah, I don't feel quite as good. I – do have one other one that kind of fits that role that you just mentioned. I'll make this my next one. And that's Josh Hader and Corey Kniebel. A similar situation. Kniebel had Tommy John surgery in April last year. By July, he was should be fully healthy and ready to, ready to go. And Milwaukee did have him as the closer before Tommy John. And they do seem to like, or before the injury, they really seem to like having Hader in that set-up multiple-inning role. And I could easily see Knievel getting that job back closing games if he's looking strong by in the couple weeks of spring training. I could see them making that switch to where I wouldn't. I probably, I don't know if I had Hader as my number one closer before. Probably still, it was close. 
but I definitely wouldn't have him as my number one right now because of that. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, it's it's fair point. Yeah, it depends, I think, a lot on how Knable looks when he comes back. Uh, I think with the shorter season, teams are going to be even more forced to do every single thing they can to win as many games as they can because there's just not as many of them. So I don't know. I think they've actually even mentioned seven inning games as a potential thing that they, which I mean, I, I could almost see if something like that happened. I don't know how that would affect quality starts leagues. It would jack that up completely, but, um, I could even see Hater pitching like a couple, two to three innings in a game like that. You know, just I don't know. It, mm-hmm. It's hard to say. It, it'll depend. I think the first thing is seeing how Knable looks and then kind of going from there. And I will add, history with closers lately coming back from Tommy John surgery their first year, I can think of two examples where it looked disastrous with Greg Holland and Trevor Rosenthal. And that doesn't mean A's like B, but. Those are in the back of my mind as I'm saying this in terms of it took both of those guys a year or two before they started pitching well again after returning. And maybe Knievel will have follow that path, or maybe it's just random. The more, but it, the more you watch and follow baseball, the more you realize that you need large samples to really get a grasp on, on things. You know, like yes. any, we always say, like anything can happen in a week or even in a couple of weeks. You know, a short sample, anyone in the whole league can go on a hot streak and look good. And I feel like when you cut the season in half and then you talk about relievers, it's like the shortest of short samples, you know, because you're already yes. dealing with, you're already dealing with small sample sizes with relievers in full seasons. So, yep. I mean, I, I feel like with a lot of these guys, especially on the relief side, anything can happen. Anything. I mean, just there's going to be a lot, lot of randomness in, in a half season for sure. It's kind of so scary to think about, actually. But it's, it's like exciting, but like weird. I don't know. It's crazy. There are so many instances from the last decade where closers have come out of nowhere and been good for a half season held yeah. a job, and then just completely disappeared. And, yep. yeah, that could, if it's a half season, they could be awesome the entire way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right about that. I can think of a few examples of, I'm, like, I'm struggling to think of their names, but I'm thinking of a couple of team examples where that's happened. Okay, who went last? I don't even know. I think we kind of I both guess did. I, I, you, yeah, you mentioned the closers, and I threw Hader and Knievel in there, so why don't you go with your next one? So this one's a little more of a big name, but I'm going to say Walker Bueller. And a lot of it's just because I think that the slight questions that people have with his innings, you know, just being a little bit less, we're talking not a lot, obviously, a guy like him, but less than the other top end starting pitchers. I think that goes away a lot in a shortened season. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I actually think that this could uh, could help Bueller. I, it also gives the Dodgers less 
opportunity to completely run away with the division, mm-hmm. which would cause them to not pitch Bueller as much down the stretch, potentially. So, yeah, yeah, I think Bueller pitches like the whole season, you know? I mean, they full, only full on. division by 15 games this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, now he's just somebody I thought of. I mean, it's probably a, a slight difference, you know, but when you're talking about guys in his range, which is the top-end starting pitchers, it's nitpicking and finding little edges where you can get them. Is he, I did notice he's going uh, – He's back. He's up to third among starters. So, yes, you're not getting any discounts right or anything. Now. Yeah, I was about to say. I highly doubt you're moving him ahead of the top two. I maybe. I mean, probably not. Right on saying that. Yeah, probably not. But uh, uh, and I also think you'd have him ahead of Verlander and Scherzer. And yeah, I think I would agree there. Yeah, I think he's firmly in that three hole to me now that, with this news as compared to before. I mean. Max and Verlander, I do. I'll just go on and mention them next. They were guys who I had on my that on my list also as guys who were going into the year with some injuries that you know should be back healthy. I've got Clevenger, James Paxton, AJ Puck also in there. Just the injured starting pitcher tier, as I called guys who should be okay to go that we're gonna miss part of the season. And maybe one of these guys still isn't right. Maybe a couple of them aren't. But, you know, all of them have had time to heal and a little longer to rest. So th- those guys were on my list. Yeah, I had Paxton on mine, so that was a good one. And the, the other ones, Paxton? too. Yeah. Okay. What's your I've next got, uh, well, this one I just had is kind of a general thing. But if they do the DH across the league, obviously it affects the NL. It doesn't affect the AL. So I just think that, some of the extra bats in the National League could be helped by it. A few I just listed off. A.J. Pollock, John Birdie in Miami. Yeah. Uh, we kind of talked about on a previous podcast about Ryan Braun, Avi Garcia, yeah. Avi Garcia, and Smoke. Well, if they had the DH, all three of them could play before it was only going to be a couple. So there's that. Jay Bruce, Will Myers. I wrote down um, Howie Kendrick and Carter Keboom. I think of both. It helps both of them too, potentially. You know, if the DH thing kind of comes to fruition, I mean, you're looking at a lot more jobs in the NL. And just to take a guy like Pollock, I mean, I think he's kind of turned into a little bit of a part time player with the Dodgers, but I think, I mean, and obviously nobody's really excited about AJ Pollock anymore, but it's one of those things where if they have a DH and they want to try and keep him healthy and they can obviously move guys around. I mean, Bellinger can play outfield. He could play first base. Muncie could DH, you know, they can move guys around and they will know. Yeah. And they definitely will. So, yeah, I just think some of those guys that I named could benefit from, you know, the extra at-bats that would come with that, assuming they do that, obviously, which I think they're going to do it. I mean, no confirmation, but I think so. I'm excited about it, and I think we've talked about this before. I know I'm I'm in favor of the DH, and I think you were too, if I recall. Didn't we talk about this once before? I think so. I've been kind of back and forth on it, but I'm not opposed to it. I, the last thing I'm going to do right now is complain about 
the DH and the NL when all I <laughs> when all I want is baseball, you know. So it's yeah, totally yeah. it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. Okay, my next one. I've got two teammates grouped together, and that would be Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge. Interesting stories on these two. Both were hurt in March. Looked to be missing a good part of April, if not longer. And by the time July hits, both should be healthy and ready to go. And I was vocally throwing a lot of support to Stanton this offseason, feeling the value was too good for where he was going. I thought he was just dropping too far. But I sure was scared when he had already hurt himself in spring training. And Judge had an injury and already was dealing with something. So... I know you were burned by Stanton last year, and but you were still seeing some value. I know you got some at least one share of Stanton and Judge in drafts, and it didn't look good for you. I think that was our draft and hold in Baseball 365 where you did take him and didn't look great for you for either one before, but now it looks better again. So yeah. does the injuries that they've had, affect, even though they should be healed from them by then, are you more cautious than you were in March before the injuries or it's kind of a clean slate again okay I'm in on them I think it's a pretty clean slate but I think you have to consider that these guys just can't stay healthy lately I mean but yeah I mean if they're healthy going into the year you kind of just have to hope they stay that way you know that's really all you can do but I think that the prices. Yeah, I mean they're they're more likely to get in the full year. Obviously, it's just question mark as to whether they can hold up and do it. And that's the other part. Um, I this is a question I was going to ask at the end. I'll just ask it now. But guys like Stanton and Judge, David Dahl, Byron Buxton, injury guys who have injury prone tags at this point. If you could look at these guys two different ways on a shortened season. They could have less time to get hurt, or if they get hurt, which they're more likely to do than a lot of players, they're missing a larger portion of the season. So you could look at that either way. Which way would you look at? Lean, I should say. It can go either way. I mean, yeah, it's just like you said. I was actually thinking about that with guys that are, and this is different than injury, but guys that are kind of volatile like their production is really up and down uh-huh. as opposed to guys who are really steady like a zach granke or you know guys like that and which one it helps and which one it hurts and i don't really know because if you catch the volatile guy just on fire then obviously he could have a tremendous season but if he's slumping then it's the total opposite so it's hard to say with all that it can go either way i mean even with the injury guys too you're not going to have a whole lot of time to come back from a big injury in a season like this so but like one like you lines, like you said less time to get hurt so one of the lines our good friend tim mcleod always says is it's a marathon not a sprint it's kind of going to be a little bit in between now yeah yeah definitely in terms of it's it's going to be more like a sprint it's going to feel like than a marathon yeah okay who do you got next Nothing really. I'm pretty much done. Uh, the only other thing that I slightly thought of, but this is this is marginal. Just 
if they do the DH in the NL, NL leadoff, like guys at the top of the NL lineups might just have a few more RBI opportunities because they won't yeah. be hitting directly behind the pitcher. So just something to consider, but it's kind of a small thing because the eight, nine hitters aren't going to be that great either way, but better than the pitcher. So that was really my only other thing. Okay. That's true. And I only have one more and it's also pretty irrelevant, but Michael Pineda, he has still has a month of games to miss. I think I was 30, 40 games. I was liking his value late before in March when we were talking because he's a good ratios pitcher, but now instead of missing a sixth of the season, that could mean more like a third of the season. Yeah. So I'm not quite as intrigued on him now, especially if you have to place him on your bench in leagues that don't allow suspended players to be on the inactive roster. So that was one guy I thought of. Yeah, that's tough. Um. And then one last honorable mention I was thinking about in terms of rookies who possibly could debut this year. I didn't quite lump him in with one of the others, but Alec Baum, that's another guy who maybe could be up pretty quick or not even. I mean, I think he's still going to debut. Like, would you think it's more likely than not that he debuts if we start in July? I think so, yeah. Especially if Philly's contending. Yeah. Which you're more. They're going to be more long likely to contend you would think in a season like this so mm-hmm. yeah i would think he'd i would think he'd be up agreed i'm kind of that was the, i'm kind of interested to see how how they do this like are we just going to have a bunch of prospects up on opening day that we weren't expecting yeah. i mean i think it could actually be more than we're even talking about there could just oh, be i a, forgot to mention there, too. there could just be a ton of it yeah, I was going to circle back to Mackenzie Gore and Nate Pearson whenever I had injury lim- in- innings limit pitchers, but then I decided, you know, the- I think I'll put these guys in a different category, but what if we saw Mackenzie Gore and Nate Pearson up on opening day this year? I could totally see it with Pearson, even though, you know, think- the Blue Jays would have a built-in, a built-in excuse because they shouldn't contend, so maybe they just want to hold them back. Yeah, see, I think... full year. I think with Pearson, I don't know. This is just my own speculation, but I I don't think Pearson's up on opening day. And I I actually, I I think I actually like him a little bit less with the shortened season than I did. Yeah. Just because I don't think the Jays are going to contend even in a shortened season. I mean, I guess if they are, he'll be up. But. I don't not. think that they're going into the season really thinking that. If they are, then throw out what I'm saying. But, yeah, I don't know. I could just see it being one of those things where he's not up opening day, and then, like we were saying, it kind of hurts those guys. It can just push back so far that you don't get enough use out of him to make it worth it. I think before he was he was going to be up fairly early. I don't know, though. It's Like I said, we're, we're guessing on a lot of this, so it's uh, – I could definitely be wrong. I hope I'm wrong on Pearson. Uh, Gore didn't have. He wasn't yeah. in Double A for too long last year. Yeah, it just depends yeah. on depends on how aggressive they want to be with it. I think. I mean, do they envision themselves as contenders in a season like this? Probably, I would assume. So maybe he's up pretty quick. I don't know. 
I think it all depends could, on how they start. Could, I don't think could be immediately. Opening day. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. I think they'll look and see how they're doing the first month or two. If it's not going well, I could see them keeping them down. But if they start out and they're looking, they're hanging in there as a playoff spot. Definitely could see him up. Yeah. The other thing oh. is like like you were like you were saying about the uh, you know you get the full year of service time. No matter when you come up, it's it's almost just like why wouldn't you? If you had plans of bringing player X up in 2020, why wouldn't you just have him up on opening day in a season like this? You know, if it was on the fence and you're not sure, that's one thing. But if your plan was to do it, and here's the here's the 80 to 100 game sprint, I mean, wouldn't you just do it right away? I don't know. I think with some people, yes, and some team, it just depends on the team. Yeah, like it if does. If I could make, come up with an excuse, like if I'm the Blue Jays, it makes sense to have Pearson up because and everybody knew he was going to debut. But like you said, he's going to be bad, and if you call him up now for what, 60, 80 games, you only have him for five more years of control next after this year as compared to if you can just go on and stink and bring him up in mid-April next year, you're going to have him for seven total years starting next year. Yeah. So instead of getting him for through for the next six years, you're getting him for the next eight from right now. So you can almost look at it as a two-year difference instead of a one or instead of a one-year difference to where I can see that being motivation for some teams to be like, this doesn't make sense with the with this new agreement. It doesn't make sense for us to bring him up. Yeah, kind of have to commit. We'll you kind of have to commit either way. So, yes, agreed with you on that. You got to go one way or the other. I wouldn't want to get thirty, forty games out of them, which will be boring whenever we're seeing games. But you know what? We'll just be happy to see games, right, Andrew? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> okay, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll close up with a couple other thoughts I've got before we get out of here. <laughs> Okay, well, here's the first thing, Andrew, we've got to figure out, and that's these wagers. I went and looked at our Baseball 365 wagers we made this offseason, and we have five over and under counting stat bets currently. I wrote them down. We got Marcus Simeon over under 25 home runs, over under 160 innings pitch for Kopech, over under 20 home runs for Guriel, Yuli Guriel, over under 24 home runs for Michael Chavis, and Starling Marte over under 26 steals. I think we just have to throw all of those out of the board at this point, unless you just want to assume I won, right? <laughs> I was actually thinking about this. We can talk about it after they announce what they're going to do, but I think we could just prorate these bets. Just cut like them in if, half? Well, I think yeah. if that's like, the case, Kopex is still unfair. I'll take it. Yeah, if you want. I'll take it oh, because I, I think it's more saying. likely yeah. to get over. Well, we'll, we'll reevaluate when, when they announce the, the games, you know, how many games and all that. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. We'll give yeah, either just, one of us a chance to back out of the bet 
because if it's if it's eighty games, but I'm just it'll be saying, pretty easy. I'm just, just saying generally, half. yeah, generally speaking, you know, twenty four home runs. If it's eighty one games, then the bet's twelve. You know, something like that. But we okay. can we can check. We'll check back in when they're uh, when we figure all that out. Okay, yeah, I think that's a good call. We'll circle back on those. Uh, we will be back. I doubt we'll be recording weekly. I do want to let you guys know that until we have more content to talk about, but we're going to try to get you guys some content over the next couple weeks and months as we just, you know, we've got a couple ideas for shows. Not going to go into them yet, but I think we'll be doing that. But Andrew, my last question has to do with something you brought up earlier, and that is that you're a Chicago sports fan. And I grew up a Bulls fan and a Jordan fan as a kid. But I've yet to watch any of this ESPN documentary that you were talking about, The Last Dance. And I feel like I already know this, but you've seen all the episodes so far? Yeah. Correct? Yep. Yeah, I watched them. Okay. okay. Tell me, how's it been? Oh, it's it's awesome, man. It's so good. I mean, it's just... I can't even describe like how much this is just, it's just like reliving my childhood. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I would say when I was a kid, I was more into basketball than baseball. I mean, I've gotten more into baseball, obviously as an adult, but when I was really young, basketball was kind of like my first love, you know, it was just what I played a lot in the driveway and I just loved it. And Bulls were awesome. I grew up an hour south of Chicago, just kind of all fit. I mean, Jordan was my guy when I was a kid. And when when you're a kid and that stuff is going on, you just grab hold of it. You know, there's nothing. In your local market. Yeah. There's nothing forever that will be like that to me. Just because of the age that I was and how big all of it was, you know. And Seeing this and kind of hearing some of the stories, I mean, a lot of them I knew, but so I'm hearing stuff that I didn't know too. It's great, man. It's so good. I, it, it's like one of those things now. It's like, okay, there's nothing else going on. I got this every Sunday in the last few weeks, two hours. And when this ends, it's like, oh, it's going to suck again. You know, it's just we're, <laughs> we're trying to fill, like we were talking about earlier, we're trying to fill all this time. And I'm already thinking like, oh man, this, there's only this week and next week and then it's over again. And then, you know, it's just, but yeah, it's great. It's really good. A lot of, a lot of cool stuff in there. You know, it sucked for ESPN not having live sports to talk about. I'm sure they're getting hurt in oh, yeah. every, just about every way possible, but I bet their ratings for this show, this show are through the roof right now because yeah. there's not much else. Yeah, I can't, but I tell you, I can't get i mean as much as i love sports i can't get that into watching old games no just like watching an old basketball game or an old baseball game or whatever i mean i i've had that stuff on over the course of the last couple of months but it's more like it's just on its background noise i'm not really focused in on the game you know and so much of what I love about it is you don't know what's going to happen next. And when you know every, I don't know, it's just, I can't get that into watching old games. I just, I just can't. No, I've got a Cardinals World Series DVD set from their 2011 run. And I did watch it once 
about a year later. Yeah. But, and I thought about, I was like, maybe with all this free time, I might just go watch that World Series again. No. <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I, I haven't. I think I was somewhere today or yesterday, I was somewhere, and I saw that the Cleveland Cavs and the, um, Golden the Warriors, Warriors yeah, I saw that playing. I think it was Game Six. That was today. I right? think it was today. Yeah, I think it was on today. I don't even know where it was where that could have been playing, but I do know that that was on somewhere where I. I well, they were doing it. That. They were doing it during March Madness, and they've been doing it on MLB Network. And uh-huh. I was making a joke the other day that I, I had an MLB Network, and it said all-time games or classics or something. And it said Pat Burrell's two home run game <laughs> from two from 2007. It was an August 2007 game between the Phillies and the Mets where Pat Burrell hit two home runs. That's all it was. And I was just like, oh, my God, they're getting desperate. I mean, they're... <laughs> and then the game after that, I think, was a Brandon Nimmo walk-off between the Mets and Phillies. It was like. Just, you know, it's just funny. But, yeah, The Last Dance has been great. I mean, I, I'm i like, I get into documentaries anyways, even if it's about anything I'm not really pumped about. Did you see the one about Halliday that's coming out? I've got a DVR, and I saw I watched the trailer that you shared. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that gave me chills. Yeah, I know. That's going to be good. Yes. If you have not looked at that, go look on – go go search for it on Twitter. Yeah, May, it's out there. May 29th, it's uh, – E60 on uh, Roy Halladay. So it should be awesome. Go go follow Andrew. Didn't you retweet it? I, I think yeah. I did too. Yeah, I retweeted it, yeah. So, again, that's AMCQ82. Go search. Go find Andrew's Twitter, and you can find the link to that. It's a – it's that looks fascinating. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely watch that, isn't it? You said May, May 29th? May 29th. Something like that? Yep. End of the month? Yeah. That'll be fun. I'll try to watch that, and maybe that's something we can talk about afterwards. So, okay. Well, we will be back some point. Andrew, you got anything before we get out of here? Nope, I'm good. Final words? I think we did all right here. First show, two months of without two months without baseball, and yeah, nice, I think we put together a good show here. Nice little comeback here. So we'll we'll get another one out soon. Yeah, hopefully we can keep throwing some good stuff out there for you all until then. And until next time, take care, everybody. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 